I'm Natalie Van Hav. I'm the head of education at the European Hematology Association. My name is uh, Hartmut Döner. I'm a professor of medicine and hematology oncologist located at Ulm University Hospital in Ulm, Germany. And we're here to discuss a paper published in Blood called Genomic Profiling for Clinical Decision-Making in Myeloid Neoplasms and Acute Leukemia. Uh, Hartmut, I have a few questions uh, for you. Can you uh, explain to us what is the role of genomic characterization in specifically in myeloid neoplasms? Well, genomic characterization um, of leukemias um, has become integral part of the initial workup um, of an AML, uh, both uh, to establish the correct diagnosis, to um, to identify you know, uh, important uh, prognostic factors and, and of course to, to also um, identify potential targets uh, for you know, the evolving field of precision medicines that, that we now have available. And which are the main methods of genomic testing that are used today to detect geno genetic abnormalities in myeloid disorders? Yeah, I would say in, in, in routine clinical diagnostics, uh, the main techniques um, are, it's still conventional cytogenetics, which is integral part of, of, uh, of the initial workup. Um, it usually takes time. I mean, in, in the paper, we say that results should be available within five to seven days, knowing, of course, that in many if not most institutions that is not realistic so usually um, centers will receive the results from cytogenetics within maybe three to four weeks um, and then all the, the the entire spectrum of molecular techniques um, uh, still conventional you know pcr technique but more and more the ngs based technologies so the next generation sequencing based um, assays um, have become more and more uh, important. And then um, to mention another technique that is quantitative PCR for monitoring measurable residual disease. Also very active field of research, not only research, but, but also important now uh, for clinical decision making. So I think these, these are the main uh, techniques that, that we're currently using. Mm -hmm. And what kind of relevant information do these tests actually provide? I'm thinking somatic mutations. I'm thinking germline mutations. But why, um, uh, you know, why are these important? Yeah, as I mentioned, I mean, first of all, we need to to establish the correct diagnosis. So, uh, as you may know, we we in, in parallel to um, the, the the paper you mentioned, uh, we we have um, published the, the new. Uh, international consensus classification of AML uh, that reflects um, all the new knowledge now we have on, on the diseases uh, on myeloid disease like like myelodysplastic syndrome uh, or acute myeloid leukemia and if you if you see this new classification more and more genetic markers are reflected in this classification so more and more uh, diseases are diagnosed based on the presence of specific mutations. So this is a paradigm shift from you know 20 years ago where leukemias were basically um, diagnosed based on morphology, mm -hmm. so on light microscopy. 
So that is that is a, a major paradigm shift uh, in establishing the diagnosis. The diagnosis. The second important issue is uh, the identification of prognostic factors, not necessarily related to diagnostic markers. And the third important aspect is uh, um, the rapid diagnosis of, of therapeutic targets, and here in particular the you know the activating for three mutations and mutations in the IDH1 and IDH2 genes. There are other genes that, that um, are, are becoming more and more important in, 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 in selecting therapy or selecting patients for clinical trials, such as you know, the rapid detection of TP53 mutations. Mm -hmm. So you've pretty much answered my next question because I was going to ask you whether the genomic tests were relevant uh, in terms of uh, uh, for the current classification or whether morphology was still the main uh, uh, thing we relied upon for the diagnostic evaluation of myeloid neoplasms. I mean, we have gone through the, uh, 30 years ago, through the so-called FAB, French, American, British classification that was purely based on morphology, which was great. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the WHO classification that came in the late 90s that for the first time incorporated uh, genetic markers. And we have seen an increasing um, proportion of genetic markers being increased uh, in this disease classification, now culminating in this new ICC, the International Consensus Classification, um, where the, the vast majority of, of AML cases are now um, diagnosed and based on specific genetic markers. So you make it very clear um, how important it is to be able to uh, to um, study these genetic markers. How should a hematology clinical lab be equipped nowadays for genotic, genomic workup? And what are the essential techniques that a lab should be able to uh, to use? Yeah, I think we, we already talked about the essential techniques. That's basically, I mean, it's cytogenetics um, and the portfolio of molecular techniques. Uh, often these two techniques, type of, types of techniques, are, are being done in, 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 in different, in separate laboratories, actually. So cytogenetics in a cytogenetics laboratory. I mean, for a single institution, is, it, it is becoming more and more difficult to establish all these diagnostics. I mean, a smaller community hospital, city hospital, will not be able to uh, establish um, these these techniques. So, it's um, it it will be I think more and more centralized in highly specific uh, in highly specialized uh, university hospitals or even in in commercial labs uh, that 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 of course uh, can can be highly specialized. Um, so I think um, the diagnostics cannot cannot be performed in every hospital. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But I assume it's very important for all general hematologists to be aware of the need for these techniques because that will determine the diagnostic and then the treatment, especially in the context of precision hematology. Ab absolutely, but but uh, another problem is of course. Uh, um, again, you know, in less well-resourced uh, countries, um, not everybody has access to, to these techniques. Mm -hmm. So there are many countries um, where, you know, these NGS-based technologies are still not, not available and, and this, is, this, is a, this is a problem. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So 
these um, centers, these um, these physicians will not be able to, you know, to classify the AML according to the newest classification. Yeah. Um, so that that's a, a drawback. Yeah, it is definitely a problem even within Europe. Even within Europe, you know, you have quite some heterogeneity. And another issue, of course, is um, with these complicated techniques. Uh, a big problem uh, is is um, is uh, harmonization or even standardization of these techniques, mm -hmm. which is a big issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you identify um, a genomic variant, how can it be quantified and how relevant is it to quantif quantify uh, this variant? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the quantification is, is currently not, not the most important factor, so it's, it's uh, Basically, it's the fact, um, can you identify um, the genetic marker or, or not? Mm -hmm. um, it's becoming very important. I, I briefly mentioned uh, um, the, the technique of, um, of measuring um, measurable residual disease, so the MRD, where you quantify actually um, specific genetic markers. Um, so in, in, in this context, it has become very important uh, to quantify, but um, at the time of diagnosis, currently, um, it is not really reflected in terms of, you know, decision-making or clinical care. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, one more question about um, variants, but this time about germline variants. How significant are they? And in which patient is there a need for investigation of these germline variants? Yeah, again, that, that's a very important um, emerging field. Um, a few years ago, we thought, you know, it's not it's not actually occurring in, in, in adult patients, but but uh, but uh, now we know that an increasing proportion uh, of patients uh, actually uh, have myeloid disease with a germline. A predisposition mutation. So there are specific mutations where we know it's it's quite frequent, like you know the RANX1 mutation or the CEP alpha mutation. Uh, it's much more frequent in in children, of course. But uh, there's another mutation uh, which was uh, identified a few years ago. It's uh, the DDX41 mutation that typically actually occurs in older patients. So median age of you know 65 or even higher. Uh, where these uh, germline mutations uh, occur, so it's not it's not a phenomenon that is restricted to to children or young adults, but can also seen in older patients. I mean, once you identify a germline variant, uh, I think it needs to be discussed with uh, the patient and the family. Uh, if the if the um, if the patient or the family would like to. Um, have a consultation with a human geneticist uh, to you know to analyze family members that that's important and another important factor relates to um, the the identification of um, a stem cell donor in terms and in, in, in case uh, an allogeneic transplant is is um, um, is recommended uh, for the patient okay. so then um, if, you, if you consider taking a sibling um, of the patient, then of course the sibling needs to be analyzed uh, whether you know, the germline 
uh, mutation is present in a sibling or not. So this this has become very very important. Mm. How do you differentiate a germline germline variant from somatic mutations? Yeah, I think that that's an, that's an important issue. Which uh, which um, tissue uh, you use? Um, um, the the best way is is still to perform a skin biopsy and to to analyze a skin fibroblast to be sure that you don't use a tissue that is contaminated by blood. Mm. So that that's an important point. Yeah. And. Uh, just to finish, which uh, challenges do, in, do you envision in the implementation of comprehensive genomic assessment in more or less routine clinical practice in your field? Yeah, I already mentioned harmonization and standardization of the techniques. Uh, of course, it's, it's, uh, it's a rapidly uh, evolving field in terms of, of technology, so the technology will evolve, there will be new technologies being applied in, 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 in the clinic. Um, it's the cost, yeah, which, uh, which, is, uh, which is an issue. And uh, um, another issue we, we discussed already is, um, is the, the broad availability of these, these tests, um, if we think globally, you know, in, uh, across, across all countries. So, there are major uh, challenges, but but uh, you know, a few years ago, next generation sequencing were uh, much more complicated than, than nowadays. You know, the, the first uh, tumor genome uh, was uh, was um, uh, was identified in 2008. It was actually an AML genome. Five years later, we had this seminal paper by the Cancer Genome Atlas Project, you know, analyzing uh, 200 or even more patients. Uh, so it's, this is only about 10 years ago, and now we are routinely uh, applying these techniques in clinical diagnosis. So it's an enormous development we have seen over the last few years. Well, thank you very much, Hartmut. That was very informative discussion. My pleasure. Thank you.